Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Good day and welcome to Extreme Common Sense with your hosts, Trisden and Ray. We hope to leave some of the social polarization behind and dig into the gray area middle of society and politics. When the far left and the far right hate us, we will have succeeded. Welcome everybody to Extreme Common Sense. I'm Trisden. I'm Ray. We're back again. Back again. We're uh, looking forward today. We're going to talk a little bit about college. I think we're going to talk about student loans, but I've also just got some general college discussion for Tough you as, as well today. What's the old joke? Toughest seven years of my life or Belushi and Animal House. Seven years of college down the drain. I could relate to that a bit. I, yeah. it took they me have five. a word for people who go to college seven years. <laughs> They're called doctors, right? Yeah, I have five years to get my bachelor's. Um, so I took the extra year. Yeah. Oh, I was every bit of five, maybe seven. Nice. Yeah. Well, I don't feel so bad then. Off and on, yeah, yeah. Well, and when folks listen, uh, the conservative folks that maybe that don't like some of what we say, or even the the liberal folks that don't think we're far enough left, they can say, yeah, listen to those guys. There's 12 years between them to get their bachelor's. Well, I'll tell you something funny about that. So I uh, manage a bowling center, and there are some menial tasks, setting up tables, doing whatever. Sometimes it's cleaning the parking lot. You know, you manage, you got to do a little bit of everything. And I used to work with one fella who I knew I would get under his skin a little bit and we'd be you know halfway into a, a a job where you were setting up chairs and cleaning up tables and so forth and i'd say hey rich between us eight years of college and he'd just look at me <laughs> and, and snarl <laughs> and it worked every time that's great <laughs> but th- that's true though i mean you know i'm sure doctors probably have something in their day Maybe it's just washing their hands for 20 minutes and, you know, and just, you know, just scrubbing away. Yeah. I went to school for, you know, 14 years for yeah. this. Well, there was a comedian, I don't know who it was, who said, you know, when I was a kid, I had so much respect for doctors. Then friends of mine became doctors. And I was like, ah, you know, <laughs> come on now. It Not that funny. anybody can be a doctor, but, you know. Yeah, that's pretty good. But no, I think that is the great thing about as we get older and we sort of make friends in all these professions that as a young person, you might have thought like, man, like there are really, you must be pretty extremely intelligent. And no, it's just, just Timmy. I knew a guy, I won't give his last name, but his first name was Greg and uh, our kids played ball together. And honest to goodness, Tristan, I knew Greg, Dr. Blank. For six months before I found out first, he was an MD and second, he was a neurologist. I mean, this cat was as down to earth as you, because I remember saying to him, you're a freaking neurologist. You know, yeah, well, you know, it, yeah, it's, uh, you know, might as well, he could have been a, you know, a, no disrespect to janitors, but it could have just as easily, you know, he's very nonchalant about, which I played in a golf event uh, with Lexington Neurology that they hosted his outfit. And I learned that not all neurologists are quite that down to earth. <laughs> if you catch my drift. Indeed. <laughs> Well, it's pretty good. But no, it's funny too, because I think you sort of feel like when you meet these really smart guys and there is some, and not guys and gals, but folks that are, you know, really highly educated. It's almost like when you meet a dude that's in the military and within five minutes of conversation, you get it, you know, he's in the military and it's, you sort of feel that for me, like with doctors and people that are really into their profession, 
you almost catch like immediately, like, I don't want to use the term nerd because it sounds so negative, right? but just so deeply introspective and sort of aloof very often, I right. think. So right. yeah, you can usually spot those people. Oh yeah. 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 So speaking of doctors, they're going to be pretty busy as Omicron kind of cranking up now. Yeah, I mean, it seems to be, but uh, there's not going to be any more shutdowns. I think that, and again, we never know when these shows are going to air, but it is the third day of January. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Happy Ray. Happy New Year, man. Absolutely. It's the third day of January 2022, <laughs> right? 2022. And I just, there's just no political will. There's just no, there's not going to be shutdowns. No, I, I don't I mean, think so. And also uh, what I'm hearing, which is good news. It's a little it, less virulent. It's, it's, well, it, it doesn't attack the lungs like the previous strains have. So it's- right. You know, of course, it's still going to cause some death if it is as transmissive as they think, because yeah, they expect which it, it does to go seem to be right? very transmissive, but should be. But they're expecting hospitalizations based on the numbers, but not as much death. So that's kind of nice news and hopefully maybe a sign that overall the virus could be losing steam a bit. Well, that'd be nice. Just get back God, to some sense of normalcy relatively soon. Yeah, man, it would be nice to go in Walmart without a mask. Funny conversation with a guy at work today who's pretty much a centrist. Maybe we'll get Lucas on at some point, but really one of the most practical, commonsensical people that I've ever met. I, I, I really have really consider him a, a friend much younger than me. I mean, when I hired him, I thought he, he so he's 35 now, but he's one of these cats who's 35 going on 50 and he's we've been working together almost 10 years. And when I hired him, age never came up, but I thought he was into his 30s. And when he told me he was 26, I was like, man, no offense, but I thought you were like 33. And he said, I get that all the time. Well, now, 10 years later, he's 35 <laughs> and he was saying uh, so he kind of beats up both sides, you know, his very conservative background. But I always kid him and say, you know, after spending 10 years listening to my BS, you're not quite quite as conservative as you were, you know, when I hired you in 2012. And he's like, no, that's a fair point. But he was saying, you know, the left was just hung on every word that the CDC and I, and we have a lot of employees this way. They hung on every word that the CDC CDC said. And if you didn't have your mask and you didn't do all those things a year or so ago, well, now the CDC is kind of changing and saying you can loosen up and they're like, Oh, what does the CDC know? I mean, there is some of that, right? I've seen a lot of that. (laughs) They're, advocating they're not a political organization the centers for disease control they're advocating on behalf of science and what they're looking at i mean it's a fluid situation they don't know all the answers right and i think science has taken a lot of shit for changing as they learn stuff right as far as since this has been going i mean and there has been like uh, people very often on the right but folks will say there's been so much much mixed messaging it's all a bunch of crap they don't know what they're talking about but i think Especially in the beginning, there were so many studies to try and figure out what the hell was going on sure. and what we needed to do. It was one week wear a mask everywhere. I mean, it still to, is, though, really, in sure. some ways, Tristan, all these variants and so forth. I mean, you know, to think that you just have these answers. I mean, scientists are amazing, thank God for them, but it's fluid. They're 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 testing things. They're experimenting with things. I don't know. Well, it, that was it's the just kind of crazy. The thing I always hated about politics, I always felt like one of the stupidest knocks, and it was always such an effective knock on a politician, at least in like the 90s and early 2000s, before everything went to to shit basically but you could call somebody a flip-flopper and like you changed your mind on an important issue and i just thought what a stupid thing why wouldn't we want our politicians to evolve based on knowledge right like science does and to me i always just thought 
What a weird thing to rally behind on either party. Yeah. Oh, this guy completely changed his mind. Well, good. He probably got some new information. Right. You know, I, I've never stu- understood that. Yeah, no. no, that's right. And it's like a pejorative, a flip flopper. I guess it means you're, you know, you're, you're weak or you're not tied into the dogma or whatever. But yeah, I take your point. You should, uh, you should always be looking and, and questioning yourself. I mean, you've brought this up on the air. For me, it's the gun issue. You know, growing up in New Jersey, moving to Kentucky, I thought I knew everything there was to know. And I was here not very long when I realized, man, you know, an, a, a, a pro-gun control advocate is just lost on deaf ears in most, pla- most places in Kentucky. It's just guns are woven into the fabric of society, have been and will be. So try and find some middle ground. You That's know? it quote unquote, responsible gun owners and so forth. And Aaron, our, our, our first right wing guest said that we're literally not allowed to talk about guns anymore until we bring him back on because he is a gun expert. Okay. So oh we, yeah. We'll have to bring him oh, back cool. and, and talk guns real soon. Nice. Yeah. I went shooting with him a couple of oh, weeks cool. ago. It was, it was pretty fun. Man hadn't shot in, you know, 15 years. Nice. But it was, yeah, it was a blast. Shooting what? Uh, uh, f- uh, 40 caliber. And he had a man, one of these big, uh, oh gosh, I'm going to get it wrong. He's listening right uh-huh. now. So, oh, he's going to get you it on wrong. the spot. I'm sorry. Eric. Yeah. But it was, it was a semi-automatic rifle. I gotcha. can't think of which one it was, gotcha, but gotcha. Uh, man, it was, it was a blast. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah shooting guns is fun. I but mean, it's, it, it's all, you know, and I get it. I get why they're scary and I get that we need to be smart with guns, but you know, you can be smart with guns. Right. And there ha- then you, to your point, middle ground is very important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So college, didn't you say something about college? We're 10 minutes in the show. We haven't mentioned a freaking word about college. Did, did I hear you say college? Isn't that our thing, though? Don't we like to mention- Slightly like, off topic. Tease the topic, tease the subject, and go off topic for 20 minutes. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, college, well, first of all, they're, they're talking about paying off- college debt. What do you think of that? What do you think about the government stepping in and saying, we're going to wipe this slate clean? Well, it's one of those things on its face. Ah, That's a great idea. Okay, cool. What about the people who busted their butt to pay their debt that are now 45 or 50? What are you doing for them? No, I mean, serious question. I'm with you. It's, it's, It's a hard question to ask and or answer, but there is something to be said for you know, I, I don't want to use the word responsibility, but for lack of a better one, because I'm not calling somebody who's struggling now irresponsible, but someone who set aside money and worked 15 years and paid off their student loan and is now in their mid 40s or 50 and, oh man, just got that paid off. And all of a sudden they see where a 28 year old's going to have all their debt just abolished. That seems like something that you got to do for them. Well, I think that's a good argument, but I also feel like in, during the pandemic, and you would probably agree with this. I know you guys were maybe off for a few weeks or a couple months. It wasn't ten weeks. Ten weeks. Yeah. Okay. And you know, the government, I would, I would say, probably took care of some of that. Your, the, your company probably took care of some of that. Right. But I, a lot of people got to sit home and get a pretty substantial bit from the government, and like they got not only their normal unemployment. Like three hundred extra dollars a week, which is fine. Like we should pay people that they can't literally can't work because of a virus. But those of us that I didn't miss, uh, I don't think I missed one day of the virus. I mean, where's a little something for those because of those the virus? People, yeah, miss one day because of. Right. Yeah, well, it's a little bit of the same thing. You're such an English teacher. Yeah, well, no, but I'm saying it's that's a little bit of the same thing. So, right. so no, the, yeah, that was my point. It, it to me, we shouldn't punish those of us that did have to work or those of us that did pay off our student loans. Like I'm not saying yet not to pay off student loans, because if that's something we can do, that's obviously going to help the economy. It's going to help a lot of, a lot of people out sort of getting, uh, being able to invest and buy their home and and different things like that. But yeah, 
what about those people that, that well, worked that, hard and did it? Yeah, I, I mean, that's the question. It, it, you know, so h- how much has this balloon been floated of pay? This was something Biden maybe talked about? I think it was talked about probably more in the primaries, but definitely yeah. was, uh, I think, not Bill, what was the one just before Build Back Better? I think it was taken out of that, but they wanted it in. Yeah, it's, that's a tough one. It's part of the stimulus? If I, maybe. Yeah, I hate to. But that's it. a, t- you know, it's just such a tough um, tough situation. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you're ever going to see a, a absolution of student loan debt. Um, that's just a tough one. And I hate to be like uh, the crabs in a barrel argument. Well, I paid mine, so nobody else gets free or no one else gets help. I mean, you know, I get there's a lot of people that owe a lot of money on student debt that would, you know, that would help a lot of people exponentially. So, yeah, just let's do it. But what about a tax break again for those of us that paid off uh, our student? Yeah. Actually, I keep saying we, but I still owe about nine grand. I'm almost right. done, but I'm, and I've oh, do a, few, you? Bu- wow. a few bucks left. And then you've got to ask yourself, you know, how we arrived at that. I know I'm, um, you know, getting <laughs> closer to the next life, if there is one, than, than this one. But, uh, you know, when I was a kid going to college 40 years ago, I, I think I've said this before, and this may be too high a figure. It was like $5,000 for all four years. Now, I never lived away at school. I commuted. My college experience would be equal to growing up in Richmond and going to EKU. But I did get my degree, paid for it myself, graduated with no debt, worked the whole time, you know. And at that time, you could, I think, make have made the case, and I think this lasted up till about 2000, that um, education at the public college level in the United States was the best deal there was. I mean, it was very affordable. Now, if you want to go to private school, it was expensive even in the 70s. But if you wanted to educate yourself at Rutgers in New Jersey or any of the University of's um, in California for the longest time, it was free because that was always the uh, dream or go out and establish residency. It was free for residents. That's cool. Everybody was going to go out and live there for six months. I remember one guy, Kenny Vandercoy, that actually did it. But that was the dream of so many of us. But that did change around 2000. And there's a variety of reasons. No Nobody really is to blame. Some of it, Trisden, and people never want to hear this, is the lower taxes that we pay. When Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates aren't paying in like they once were, well, then that all trickles down. You know, the federal government is not giving to colleges what they once were. But another part of that is, I don't know the last time you were in one of these new fancy uh, dorm rooms. But when I was a kid, it was cinder block walls with bunks, you know, up and down a metal desk. Well, now you walk in and there's a room with a, what's it on suites where every kid has their own bathroom. There's a common area. You got a hot tub in there, you know, maybe. Um, so when Western Kentucky builds that, well, then Eastern has to build the same because they're recruiting from the same base of kids. And all of a sudden, you know, every college is now a country club setting for the students. Well, that has a huge cost. It's a good point. And yeah. I, I'm like you, I, you know, it, I, I went to Berea college and uh, you know, my first two years, we didn't have air conditioning. I mean, it was, we had the old metal heater that, you know, it was like a bunch of ridges that you could probably picture the old time, sure, like heater sure, from sure. the fifties and yeah, no AC. That was it. It was all block. But again, Berea College, free school. So right. You know, right. if you get accepted, now ask me how I have $9,000 in debt going to a free school. Uh, how do you have $9,000 in debt going to a free school? I like to party. So I would go like once a semester and take out a loan for like living expenses, which you were allowed to do. Gotcha. And that was my weekend fun money. 
Well, so there were a lot of people. Who, I think we have a mutual friend whose name I won't mention, nor will I even allude to, but I'll tell you off air, who used money to buy certain things that made him wealthier. He used student loan money. So people oh, have wow. done that. Yeah, yeah. People have used student loan money for, you know, not necessarily to pay for tuition of their school. Interesting. I'd never thought of that, which I guess I sort of did think of that you when did, I did yeah. it myself, yeah, but not, not to better myself. Not as but, a strategy necessarily. Right. No. right. Oh man. That's right. funny. Yeah. But uh, you know, the forgiveness of student loans, it's just such a dicey issue. Um, and, and it is also a huge, um, well, I was going to say it's a, it's a huge debt buster, deficit buster, but that ship seems to have sailed. Yeah. Do you people know, care anymore? I, well, only uh, when the other party's running the country, that, that it matters. And I know people who say, ah, it's just fake money anyway. It's all just dollar. You know, <laughs> nobody's really accounting for that. Right. So, I mean. Monopoly money at this point. You're the United States. Are they really going to call their markers in? I mean, you still have the economy that's second you know that that's the largest in the world and i think china i I know that china's second but i believe we are double the chinese even as big as they are the american economy is still twice what the chinese is so when you're that power broker it's tough to have the markers called in yeah i would think so that's it's it's amazing i i wish i was smarter in you know in economics and how much that really matters crypto crypto is pretty fun yeah, our our last guest, Derek, who has COVID right now, by the way. Oh man, Pro- well, probably got it from you uh, coming possibly, in to do the show. Possibly. I hope not, Derek. <laughs> I also hope not. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he's he's sent me some recent uh, crypto advice, so I'm good. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so he's getting into. I mean, they're he, really he's mainstream. Been into it, it, I guess, for a bit. He's okay. he's done ah. pretty well. Yeah, for a bit. But don't for a bit. <laughs> nice. So yeah, no, I've I've got a couple like a couple hundred bucks, but like I would like to. Uh, put some semi-serious it certainly doesn't seem like it's going away does it it does not no not not in the short term no yeah it's going to be amazing to see if you know if in uh, 15 20 years 30 years if it's still absolutely if it's the stock market or if at some point it sort of crushes itself yeah i mean uh, yeah i don't understand it at all honestly as most don't you know even economic people probably can't really explain any more than they can explain all those um you know, formulas and, and, and financial machinations that they came up with in the nineties. You know, when guys were coming out of the best schools in the country, MIT and Stanford and all the Ivy leagues and going to wall street and figuring up all these different formulas and such, basically it was the rich getting rich. It wasn't even the rich getting richer. It was that element of people just sort of taking care of each other. Yeah. Which happens. I guess that's the old, if you can't beat them, join them kind of thing. Yeah. I wish I had like a group of friends like that from college that, you the know, masters of the universe. Yeah, that's it. Like, uh, George Bailey's friend and it's a wonderful life. Hey, you got to come invest in these plastics with me. Right. I don't have anybody in my family. That's like, you know, give us five that's, grand and get rich. That's actually funny. You say that because the whole notion of a fraternity, you know, it evolved into this thing where you were drunk every weekend and chasing girls, but really the notion of a fraternity or sorority, the reverse, but w- was to have that network so that if you ran into trouble later in life, there was somebody to lean on. There were, there were business opportunities for you. There were buddies who were doing things that could open some doors and, and vice versa. I mean, that's where fraternities grew out of. And, and in some ways still, you know, I obviously in some ways still fulfill that bill. Pretty smart. I mean, that's a makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Be able to, to help your friends out and, you know, sort of socialism, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. In a sense. Yes. So here's a college question for you, Ray. And this is, I think this has been in the, the news a lot. I don't know. 
I don't know how real it is because I'm not on a college campus and haven't been for, you know, 18 years. And are they too woke? Like not in, in terms of free speech, like, can we say that the, that the kids on college campuses are almost anti-free speech? It seems to have gotten to that place. I mean, when you have comedians saying that they won't go because they're being shut down, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, we've talked about this a lot is the left, um, you know, representative of some kind of new fascism. It's hard to argue against it when everything, that word you use, which I don't even really know the definition of the microaggression, yeah. which is defined as what? Well, I think that would be more in terms of like, if you were say Jewish and I called you a, a like the worst Jewish slur, that's like an actual racist like that's a, I don't know. That's, ra- that's, racial, an, that's an aggression, aggression, racial slur. But yeah. yeah. Microaggression would be like, Oh, you sure do like money. Don't you? So it's oh, not gotcha. like you're really, you know, almost to the point of like just a little, or, you know, you're, but your point you're playing is on that there's stereotype. many who look now to find these quote unquote microaggressions. Yes, and, and that's that probably, that's probably a bigger, yeah, a, yeah. A, right. A bigger one. Yeah. So like another one, Oh geez, I, you know, to be on the spot and, and find one off the top of my head, but uh, you know, to assume somebody may, might be poor or something because of their uh, heritage or something like, I don't know, but right. yeah, to, to just a play of words that might make somebody feel less than, you know, I'm sure throughout the course of your day, you're going to hear a couple of those. Like basically if you're an asshole and you know, your words are assholey, you're going to have microaggressions in them probably all day. Right. Right. So, but yeah, so, and I think there's to the point that you've made uh, on the show many times, you know, there is something good behind trying to clean up language and to try and clean up uh, some of this stuff, but where does it go too far? And at what point, does it become an infringement on free speech? Like I get, you know, if I go to a college and you know, the, I don't know, the grand master of the Ku Klux Klan wants to come speak at your college. Of course you shut that down. Right. But, but where, I guess, where is the middle point in that? Like, where is somebody that you disagree with that you still allow to come? Because obviously you don't, I don't even know for me. I don't even know if you shut that down. I think it'd be great to hear him speak just to see what he has to say. And because in order to be able to disagree with people, you have to know what they're about, right. And what they're saying. And chances are, he's probably going to sound like a moron. And if he doesn't, then maybe you go, Oh wow. Well, this is interesting. This guy isn't a complete moron. What's going on here. So I, I mean, for me, that line is almost non-existent. But I also love this. I, I will talk to, as you will talk to anybody. So, I mean, that kind of stuff for me is really the, the shutting down of speech is just a tough one. I don't, I don't understand it at all. Yeah. I, well, I think though, there is a difference between shutting down speech altogether and just saying, look, I don't want you here at my college because you know, you're an open racist or you're an open murderer or you're an open, like you've done something that's so horrible. But again, I think that yeah. line just uh, keeps well, getting that's fair. The I mean, line you, keeps getting low, right. less and less. The bar is set now to the point not, of like yeah. you had a Facebook post 10 years ago that was a little bit iffy. So now well, we don't that, want you to come to our college. To your prior point, you're right. I mean, because you can, I guess you can be too broad, too liberal, whatever. You don't want the uh, leader of the, uh, you know, national, what is that? NAMBLA, National Men, Boy, Love Association coming oh, to tell you why right. it's good. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I, I take that point. But no, I, I'm even a little more um, narrow when I, political correctness to me, the advent of political correctness really was to remove the N-word from low from everyday vernacular yeah. and I'm 61 born in 1960 and I 
remember, Tristan, that word was used very um, freely. Yeah. Very freely when I was a kid and even into my teens. And it's not anymore. And that's wonderful. That's, that is great. And I think the most ardent conservative, I mean, you'd really have to be a jerk to disagree with <laughs> we, that point. We need more inward. <laughs> exactly. Right. But from there, it did stretch to, you know, where it is now. Yeah. And that's, that does always seem to be a slippery slope. Yeah. And again, it seems like mostly well-intentioned until you get right. on the internet. I mean, on the internet, it's just a nightmare, right. you know, on Twitter, you know, on some of these social medias, you know, Every, you know, every white person is an oppressor, et cetera. There, there is a line that some people have, and I don't think that's the average person. I think most people just want, you know, equality and for everybody to get along. But it is that, that really small group on the far left that, you know, if, again, if you had a tweet. Oh, no, I know. 15 years I ago, know. like you do not belong on this earth. No, I, I understand. I know some of those. They're mo- most of them are younger. Let's be fair. Um, and they may say, you know, what is it? Okay, boomer, the dismissive term for people my age. But um, I've managed some of those young folks, and I know know them um, fairly well, and I know exactly what you're talking about. And there's a point at which maybe you just you have to kind of shrug your shoulders and go on and say, well, we're not gonna we're not really gonna be able to find common ground with somebody who takes the view that you know just by virtue of being white, you're evil from the jump. Yeah. Or male or no matter right, what, you know, right, it's, right, it's right. not right. Just like it wasn't right 50 years ago to say somebody with a different color skin was all bad or, or whatever. It's anytime you're lumping an entire group of people just because it's now popular to do that to, to white or males or whatever. I don't think it's ever going to be the right thing to do, even if the woke crowd says it is. I well, mean, we still have to judge people yeah. on individual merit, I think. And there are some crazy things that are happening, like, uh, I guess, unintended consequences of all that. Like, I was reading about a school in Ohio, and I don't I, – I, Oberlin, maybe, but I don't want to say in case it wasn't. Well, I, I guess I just did, but don't hold me to that. <laughs> Definitely Oberlin. But in an effort to, um, you know, in an effort to make sure everybody's treated equally, basically they've gone to black and white dining halls. So now you're back to Little Rock, 1954, 57. Right. I mean, you know, Christ Almighty, that that's probably not the answer. Not the answer. You know, you want to make sure you're not offending black folks, okay? So you're going to give them their own separate dining area. <laughs> separate and it's but like, equal. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> wait a, a second, man. We've just really come full circle. Right. That's, we fought so know. hard to, to make that not the case. And, and, uh, and I get the intent. I'm like, okay, I see. But do you see what you're doing here? That's kind of ironic. It, yeah. No, I, 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 it's completely fascinating what society has done with some of that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to watch. You know, and one of the things, and I hope I've not told this story on the podcast. I may have earlier when we've talked about race. Oh, about being poor? Yeah, you said. Uh, no, oh. if I mentioned I was poor. At <laughs> one time. Ray, I but grew you up got in, cut off halfway through. I grew up in a shanty. Um, but no, when I first came to Berea College, and the cool thing about Berea College, it was very diverse culturally and ethnically. So you had not only a lot of American black kids, you had black kids from all over the, the globe. Right. So like, right. man, you could really find out what it's like everywhere, basically in the world, yeah. going to Berea very College. Cool. So it was awesome right you know i had so many roommates from different countries but yeah it was wonderful but you would walk in you would walk in the food service and it was always the black kids on one side and the white kids on the other and i just you know coming from an all-white town i just sort of thought naively that you know once you go somewhere where there's a lot of different people that they just sort of mixed in but it sort of wasn't the case well see that's 
that Trisden begs the birds of a feather argument. You know, maybe, yeah. and and I've thought this because in some ways that remains true. I guess the most prominent uh, integrated entity in American society is sports. Sure. Right. And when you look at sports teams, typically white guys hang with white guys, black guys, with black guys, Hispanic guys with Hispanic guys. Now, does that mean that all three of those groups are racist? It could simply be birds of a feather. You know, my late brother-in-law, Vince, was the best friend I'll ever have because we both grew up Irish Catholic in New Jersey. We moved here to Kentucky together as sort of brothers in arms. We, I've, I've always said this about Vinny. He and I would have been the best of friends had we met at college, had we met in the service, had we met as co-workers we happened to meet as two guys marrying sisters but we were so close because we had a common background that we understood we have we had references from that background that we understood and it made conversing and communicating that much easier and at the end of the day maybe some of it is and i'm not discounting racist assholes if you're a racist asshole then you should be held to account but some of what we might interpret as racism is simply birds of a feather whether they're hispanic guys black guys or white guys they find comfort amongst those that have a similar background right no i think that's fair um i i guess i just uh you know coming into that for the first expected time in my something life, different i just expected yeah this sort of so how do we reach utopia. that point where where you you know is there the does that birds of a feather argument hold some weight and maybe you never reach that no, point I, or is I, there I, I think you get it but i just think it's probably 200 years from now once we've all you know and i think you see it now a lot where so many uh diverse cultures in this country are marrying so you, you've got yeah you know you're just gonna see over the next 50 or 60 years so many more families that you look at them and you can't tell you're irish catholic or you're black you know everybody's just going to be you know sort of a melting pot which is what i guess america well you know is. i don't see color but if you have noticed on television because I'll, I'll say to patty up oh, another interracial couple like every couple now is a mixed race couple for sure and you certainly see more mixed race couples in society but not to the degree of which you see that on television so kind of yeah. to your point but really that maybe is to television's credit because 10 years ago it was homosexual couples. You saw them on television or 20 years ago, long before you, it was as common and as accepted in society. So perhaps that's part of, maybe that's that evil Hollywood left. Why are they doing that to us? Well, because they're bringing you along. Yeah. No, I think it's a good thing that, uh, you know, the culture is, um, I don't know. That you, that you get, yeah, it's changing, but you get to see these visuals of people that don't look like you. And I think when you see that, you know, what you saw 20 years ago, maybe for the first times in media, in the homosexual community, I just think it makes it easier. I mean, you know, we should sort of be desensitized to cultures and uh, attitudes and lifestyles that are different, you know, from our own. Yeah. And you would have to think that so much of the current backlash is just from people who would prefer the status quo who see that status quo getting challenged, if not changed. And they really do want to hold on. I mean, I know that seems like a real simple and trite analysis of the division that we have, but it certainly plays some role like the evil leftists of Hollywood, New York that want, you know, for our entire country, what they've established in New York and Hollywood, you know, that's some of that friction people that want things to remain the way they were. And they'll, They'll storm the Capitol steps, literally, to try to ensure that. And that's a great point. And I didn't realize this. And I was watching this, maybe Meet the Press this week. They were talking about the people that were most likely to show up on January 6th were from counties 
that their race was in decline while other races were on the incline. Well, there you go. And so it actually had a pretty racial component in the science of the psychology of the people on January 6th. What about that? It was pretty fascinating. So, you know, will that work itself out? I mean, I guess it can. It's going to be just like homosexuals. of teeth, man. Right. But once everybody's white sister marries a Mexican or a black guy, I mean, there's going to be a point where everybody starts to just realize – Oh, everybody's just people. We're all just people. Yeah. You know, and it then it becomes less of a, a taboo or something that we're all so scared or worried about once we all sort of are exposed to other people that, you know, aren't the people we grew up with. Yeah. But then you do go back to birds of a feather and yeah, yeah, I don't know, Trisda, man. These are such tough questions. So if somebody, if somebody said to you, you know what? I've got no problem with black folks. I got no problem with Hispanic folks, Indian folks. I just really enjoy hanging out with my white friends and I would prefer that those guys don't bother us. Does that make them just a piece of shit? Well, you know what? I guess the piece of shit to me comes when you meet somebody that's different than you and you treat them an awesome person and you're not open to that. Then that probably becomes a, a shitty thing. And that's always been my, um, you know, that's always been my barometer, I guess is the word. You know, I have that neighbor test, I call it. Would you want to live next to this person? And I used to use David Robinson, you know, the admiral. If David Robinson is living next to you and you got a problem with a black guy living next to you, well, it ain't David Robinson. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you can only base people upon what your, you know, what your interaction with them is. And, and when you think about, racism or, or judging somebody on the way they look, it really is the simplest and dumbest thing that you can do. They may turn out to be an awful person, but how do you prejudge that? Right. You really can't. And we should be beyond racism now to the point of being able to say, yeah, to your neighbor test. If, you know, if somebody is an asshole, then it doesn't matter, of course, what color they are, but you should be open to that at this point in 2022, you know, to give somebody a chance and see well, how they are. You I mean, should be, Tristan. It, it but is as, pretty backwards now at this point if you're still closed-minded on people different than you. Absolutely. But as we talked about on our last episode with your buddy Fenton, which, again, we always apologize because we're never 100% sure they're going to air in the order that we record them. But uh, I would assume that the interview with uh, with uh, I was going to say Professor, which we can, Professor yeah, He would Fenton. like that. Yeah, Professor yeah. Fenton has already aired. But I talked about my hometown of Pompton Plains, New Jersey, which I was born in in 1960. It was 100% white. I left in 1988 100% white. And in 2022, it's 100% white. So there's that. Now, I have to add a caveat because I thought about this in the shower the other day because my brother's become a pretty... Uh, uh, I think faithful listener. So hello, Tom, we got to get you on here and he might correct me. And I swear on my mother's grave, this is the truth, Tristan. And it was long about the mid seventies. There was a black family that came to Pumpton Plains and they were the Neals and Herb Neal went on to become mayor, like fucking blazing saddles. But Dr. Neal was a Harvard MD. So that is the one white family that was allowed into Pumpton Plains, New Jersey. Black family. Doctor, uh, I'm sorry, was the one black family that was allowed into all white Pumpton Plains, New Jersey. He was a Harvard MD and he ran for mayor and got elected. Wow. That was the family one. And that and that is as true a story as as I can tell you. There's no embellishment in that. Wow. And and there's a lot of reasons for that, but I think, you know, the the right gets so mad when you talk about the, the sort of um, the racism that's kind of baked in from, you know, a hundred years ago or 200 years ago, et cetera. But, 
you know, there are a lot of rules and a lot of good old boy systems for a very long time that worked pretty hard to keep folks and I'm making air quotes in their place. Well, I mean, that's what Emily talked about some time back, our guest, sure. Berea City Council. I had a friend of mine who heard that episode and said, you know what, Berea native, and he said, it kind of pained me to hear that Berea is still that way. Well, shit. Yes. And that's not to pick on Berea. That's everywhere you sure. go. That's a, right. There's a people who take care of each other. And when somebody comes in to try and dismember that, if that's the right word, or disassemble that, they're going to run into friction. Right. Roadhouse. <laughs> the greatest worst movie ever what a phenomenal movie and it's just a piece of shit but no yeah it's, it's, a, it's both yeah not a surprise it didn't take home the academy award for best picture oh, like but. burt reynolds when he went and made the smoking oh, yeah. movies and he said it's not like i went and bought an academy award or i, I went and bought a tux for the academy awards <laughs> you know they knew what they were making yeah roadhouse if, if you're flipping through the channels and it's on you gotta stay Man, well, almost anything with sam elliott or patrick swayze sam elliott oh, great the best yes yes I am Elliot Wheel. Uh, it's just great. Hey, all right, so completely off the subject, but it was yesterday. We don't know when you'll hear this. How about Antonio Brown? Oh, man. That's just so crazy. My wife said, Buzzy, how often does this happen? I said, Pat, I've been watching football for 57 of my 61 years. I don't remember the first four. I've never seen anything like that. Man, me so Off comes the equipment, and waving, giving what, a peace sign. Little background for folks that may not be into sports. Yeah. Uh, oh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a wide receiver, now is known to have had some mental health problems. Well, there's no joke there. Um, yeah. Middle of the game, I think he was upset about something. Took his uniform off, threw it out, <laughs> threw up a couple birds to the crowd, walked the hell off the field. <laughs> through the middle of the field. Through the middle of the field. Yeah. This that Ray, that was unprecedented. Yeah, it was pretty much unprecedented. Now there's a few things coming to light. And actually Nate Burleson, who's one of the um, Who, commentators. Hey, Nate Burleson uh Fenton played high school football, same position. Our last guest. Uh, teammates with Nate Burleson. Oh, no shit. And I bet Seattle. he said he's a great guy because he Absolutely seems like a great, great guy. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he seems like it. So yesterday Nate was saying, and he said, look, I am not defending this in any way, but it came to light that he had uh, three $333,000 bonuses to equal a million. And it was like, he was like five catches short, five reception short, 100 yards short. And apparently he wanted to go back in the game and the coaching staff told him no. Now Aaron's, the head coach, Bruce Aaron, says that's not the case. He refused to go in. But who knows? Maybe it's such that... Now, it, it in no way justifies his behavior. He right. acted like an a-hole. Yeah. But, you know, maybe he was itching to get back in the game and thought that they were... Because there's only one more game in the season. Maybe they thought he may have thought they were trying to suppress him to keep him from that money. And he said, okay, I'm out of here. F you. Wow. Yeah. Could be, but, but that's the, the optic of that to just walk out on your team. It's terrible. There's nothing Absolutely. worse. I mean, when you see college guys that are going out to play meaningless bowl games that could potentially put themselves at risk. Well, how about the opposite though, Tris? And that, that is a really good debate. Now I have all the respect in the world, but do you understand the argument? Cause I, I'm not saying, do you understand in a condescending way? I'm, I'm saying there's a real question now about these kids that opt out. And I think uh, the Mississippi state quarterback's name maybe is Corral. Pretty good player. He gets hurt the other day. Now he wow. went on record as saying, uh, I want to play, you know, my buddies, he's going to be a draft pick. I, we fought through the trenches for the opportunity to play this game. And he doesn't get seriously hurt. Thankfully it's an ankle, not a knee, but he got hurt in the first quarter of that game. Now there are kids that are opting out 
simply to protect their status in the draft. Now, what do you think about that? Well, my thought on that, and I don't know what your thought is, you know, having played a lifetime of athletics, uh, and I'm sure you have as well, you know, especially, did you play well, look football? Look at me. Don't I look like a finely tuned athlete for you, Christ's sakes? No, I bowled a lot. <laughs> foot, foot, football player. <laughs> I though, played football for a couple of years. Yeah. Okay. So the types of bonds that you get playing football, oh, with the guys, band of brothers. Yes. Look, here's yes. my thing. That quarterback or those guys, even those multi-million dollar babies that are going to be drafted, you should you want those guys to want to play. But the the coaches, the people that that are smarter, the adults have to step in and say, "Son or honey or you know whatever condescending term." I know that you want to play more than anything. We get it. You've worked really right, really right. hard to uh, you know to get to this level. But we've got to pull you out for your own good. I mean, the the coaches have to do that. The parents have to do that. And, of course, the kid's going to be pissed. But at the same time, look, that's so, your, your whole life is dependent on you not being injured so at that you, point. So then you agree. Uh, so All right. So it sounds like you agree that that's not a terrible decision to opt out of that last game. But do you qualify that if you're playing for the national championship? Then you stay in the game? You stay in? No, I think the kid's going to want to stay in at any point or most of the time. So, yeah, and I think uh, national championship game, I think you get a $10 million insurance policy on your body, which I think has been pretty common over the last few years. Uh, guys that, you know, are know they're going to be a bit pretty high draft pick, spend $10,000 to get protected for that game. Sure. Then, you know, you've got you've still got $10 million. So your life is still paid for, but no, I, th I think you do have to, you have to take every step to, to make sure you either don't get injured. You're not playing in a stupid game that doesn't matter, or you're very insured for the, well, event. and I guess some of that's going to change or, or is changing with the whole image and likeness, uh, likeness and imaging thing. I mean, the shepherd kid from oh, yeah. uh, North Laurel, South Laurel, Jeff Shepard's son. I mean, he's, I don't know if he'll be making seven figures a year, but uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll here we go with race again, but a super talented white kid who's, you know, Hollywood good looks coming to the University of Kentucky in the age of image and likeness is going to do okay. Yeah, I would say that's pretty, pretty fair. Whose dad won, whose dad played on a national championship team in 98 for Tubby, you know? Wow. Yeah. No, he'll, he'll do pretty well. He'll do okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's, I think he's like 20 third in the country overall high school player. I mean, this kid is the real deal and he's a public school kid. He's not a, he's, I'm sure he's playing AAU, but he's not an Academy kid. Yeah. Wow. You know, those, those public school kids are pretty rare because most of the, most of the players who, who fill out the roster at UK and Duke and North Carolina and Kansas and Louisville five years ago are not public school players. Right. Oh yeah. They're Academy kids exactly. that have been weaned, you know, and, and, and brought up to be basketball players. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. So what do you, what, what's your thoughts on uh, college kids? Oh, man, it's just the emotion of it. You know, once you be, it, on its face, you say, what a terrible thing, man. You know, you got to get out there and play. But, but I fully understand the argument. And, and it was just so ironic to see this. And I think I've got his name right. C-O-R-R-A-L. Corral. And he's the Mississippi State quarterback. It's not a great college quarterback class. There's a kid from Pittsburgh and there's this Mississippi State kid. They're, they're the two that look like they're going to be decently high draft picks in the NFL draft. And he went on record, the Mississippi state quarterback of saying, I wouldn't consider going out. This is, and they're, you know, they didn't, this is, you know, a nine and a six. It was one of the bowls. It wasn't Alabama, Georgia, Cincinnati, you know, right. um, Michigan. 
but he said, no, I'm playing. In the first quarter, he goes down. His ankle twists a little bit. Originally, it looked like it could have been a knee. Thankfully, it wasn't. He was on the sidelines on crutches. He'll be fine. But then if you're one of the kids who wants to justify your sitting out, you say, well, look at Exhibit A. That dopey kid shouldn't have played that damn game. It didn't mean anything really, you know, other right. than pride. Yeah. So protect your investment. Yeah. You just, you just hate when everything's about money, money, money. Right, and you hate when... Well, you're Jewish. You don't hate that. See what I did there? <laughs> that microaggression. That's a microaggression, goddammit. And I hate you. See that? Um, but no, I, I think to the non-microaggressive point, so... Oh, okay. So, Ray, since we're new to the podcast game, oh, we don't oh. have any sponsors yet, before we hire a sales staff, I want to take a minute and say, screw you to all the Republicans who told me COVID would be over immediately after the 2020 election. Ha ha, that's right. Uh, according to every Republican yes. I knew, the day after Biden was sworn in, COVID would be completely eradicated, proving that the whole thing was fake and an elaborate <laughs> hoax to get Trump out of office. So as we buckle in for Omicron, the 47th <laughs> wave and hospitals are overrun with patients, I just want to say, screw you for getting my hopes up, conspiracy theorists. And here's two points. Points. Number one, Democrats aren't smart enough to pull off a worldwide hoax. And number two, the conspiracies on YouTube are not real. Happy New Year. Thank you. And with that, we can probably close this this podcast out since we have no idea what it was about. We insulted people. We apologize for that. But maybe we put a smile on your face. That's all we can do in this new year. I wonder if three of our, our all three of our fans will cancel us for <laughs> this episode. <laughs> Cancel. It could be that you're not somebody until you're canceled now in this age. Oh, man, it would be a point of pride. Yeah, well, there you go. All right, Tris. Thank you, man. Great. Fun chat. Thanks for listening to Extreme Common Sense with Tristan and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week.